Good morning <clears throat> again, church. Um, it's good to uh, have you all here this morning. Um, brother, uh, people, if, if, you, if you can, um, can you read the scripture reading again one more time for us? <clears throat> Psalms, the uh, 32nd chapter, verses 1 through 4. Is it the 23rd chapter? Or uh, 23rd. My apologies. 23rd. You're right. And it reads, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thank you for reading that, brother people. I'm going to read another, um, well, it's not a poem, um, but it is a, Psalms is a, a collection of poems or songs that were written by David to God. Uh, I'm going to read a poem called Invictus by William Ernest Henley. Um, I'm sure most are aware of this poem, and I, I'd like to spend a little bit of time comparing and contrasting um, these two uh, psalms, um, one being a spiritual psalm, the other being um, you know, one that is certainly not in the Bible, but one that uh, does talk about Who's in control? Um, where is our source of comfort? That's not the title of my lesson, but we will be um, looking at the two. So without further ado, I'll read the poem. It's uh, again called Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. I'm the bludgeonings of chance. My head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. So the, uh, again, that's Invictus by William Ernest Henley. Um, comparing and contrasting these two um Poems, these these two uh, thoughts or, or mindsets. Um, actually, both of those poems came to mind when we were talking about um, giving um, on Wednesday, and uh, you know, a comment was made, and uh, and I'm not saying it was a wrong comment, but one that kind of resonated with me since Wednesday night, which is the phrase. God only helps those who helps who first help themselves. And um, to be honest, um, I've I've struggled with that. Um, you know, and yeah, I've struggled with that in the context of this. Um, both. Well, let, let's. I'll give you just this one example. I'm not going to go too far into the weeds, but. Um, maybe in your own family you can relate to what I'm about to say. Um, my mom um, is one of, I want to say, uh, 12 children. Um, all of them are different. All of them have uh, done different things with their lives. Um, they're, uh, my mom has... I would, well, how many sisters lived here in Merced? Um, at one time, four sisters from the Lewis family lived here in town. Uh, and again, all different. Um, you know, they, they were raised by the same mom and dad. Um, you know, you, when you, when you have that many kids, you can imagine that, uh, they were spread out over a long period of time. And, you know, you know, during that period of time, you know, from the first to the 12th, you know, priorities change, you know, mom and dad get older, 
they may not have as much energy, but nonetheless, you know, they all were raised with some of the basic, same basic principles. But when I when I look at the the four uh, sisters in particular, um, e- even though each of them started in the same place, let's say they um, they took different journeys, and I'm not going to judge any one of them um, because that's not my job. But um, you know that's God's job solely. But you know they took different pathways and different avenues in life, and some you know you know, took ownership while others did not and in various degrees in between. And uh, my mom always, you know, uh, taught me this this idea, this mindset that uh, you have to take ownership, you have to be accountable. Um, you know, this world is, is certainly not going to do you any favors. Um, you know, as it as it pertains to the true definition of love, you know, that God speaks of in the Bible, that, um, you know, the, the love that is in the world, rather, is all about themselves, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But the agape love, the God, uh, the love that, that God espouses in his word is a, a love of self-sacrifice. And, and with that, there are, she told me that there are going to be very few people out of all the people that you will come across in your life, a small fraction of lo- uh, of those will will really and truly love you the way that God uh, uh, speaks of love. One other thing that she told me is that you can't blame other people for your mistakes. Um, you you make choices um, whether they be they they be good or bad, but you have to live with uh, those consequences. And then finally, uh, again, the phrase that, that came up when I was a youngster is a phrase that was mentioned in, in our Wednesday night Bible class, which is God only helps those who first help themselves. And I want to chat about that in light of these, uh, these two mindsets. There's two mindsets, if you will, that have been presented. The one in Psalms, the 23rd chapter, verses 1 through 4, um, the, the psalmist David um, writes there that um, that his salvation um, relies um, solely on God, or the source of his of his salvation is is God, as as it says in verse number four uh, of the Psalms, the twenty third chapter. It says, uh, "Surely goodness." I'm sorry, uh, verse number, that's verse number six, and I'll get to that. But in verse number four, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. Um, you know, again, the, the, the theme here is, again, that uh, uh, the Lord is his shepherd, and he shall not want. All the things that he needs, all the things that he needs certainly to be comforted, only come from one place. He can't do it himself. In verse number 5 of Psalms, the 23rd chapter, says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the psalmist is stating again here that um, that you know the the preparation of defense against his enemies, um, you know the the source of goodness and mercy. He can't get it uh, of his own free accord. It is given to him by God. Conversely, if you look at the um, you know the 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 poem Invictus, which is a good poem. Um, but what it does is it it uh, it takes a different tact, right? It says that uh, you know you know this he is you know surrounded um, by the cover of night in the first stanza of the poem, and he says I I thank whatever gods may be uh, for it for his unconquerable soul. You know, his soul cannot be conquered in this this night of darkness. And he doesn't 
and, and he gives a, a slight tip of the cap uh, to the gods that, that may have created his unconquerable soul. Second stanza, he says, even though he's fell into the clutch of circumstance, he will not cry out for salvation or for help. He says again, even in spite of those things, his head is bloody, but it will not be humbled or unbowed. The third stanza, he says, beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of death. And yet, even with the, uh, the, the, if you will, the, um, well, he says menace, but I'm, I'm trying to think of another, I have the word in my brain, it's just not coming to my lips, but with the torment of the years, um, he will be unafraid of death. He says again, it does not matter how straight the gate or how, how charged with punishments the scroll. He says, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And those are, those are two varying thought points. One is a reliance solely on God, and the other is a reliance solely on self, and the power of, of one's will to succeed. So which is it? When I'm when I'm going through life and I'm I'm faced with hard times, which is it? You know, where do I go? Who do I blame? You know, I think that's you know the other side of of the same coin. You know, if if Invictus is a true statement that you know we are all the masters of our fate and the captains of our soul, then when we fall into diverse, let's say, situations in our life, we can't go to God and blame Him. We have to blame ourselves. We can't blame others for the fact that we're unsuccessful, that we're failures, that we're losers, that we're sinners. We have to blame ourselves. We can't blame other people for that, if Invictus is in fact uh, a true statement or a true principle. You know, you look at the the, the book of Psalms, right? If the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want, you know, as as you know, the 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 Lord's as they say the Lord's Prayer, but um taking a stanza from the Lord's Prayer, but again looking at the book of uh, Psalms, the twenty third chapter, if in fact God is our is our is our Savior. He is the the source of our substance. Uh, Then I guess the flip side of that is if we fall into rough times, is it God that we should blame? So what is it? Is it uh, it one, the other? Is it in between? Um, The scripture tells us very plainly and very clearly um, what the matters of life, or about the matters of life, I should say. Uh, there isn't any confusion, and as we go through this lesson, um, I will. the Bible really um, will answer that question for us. So, with that, if you will, um, please turn your Bibles to uh, the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, um, and where I want to start, is in Matthew, the sixth chapter. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, um, it says here in verse number 30, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or or wherewithal shall we be clothed? But after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. 
And before I read the last two verses, it's important to note here that um, God created this planet. Um, He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created the water, the earth, um, and all the things in between, the molecules and so forth and so on, proteins, sugars, all the building blocks of, of, of physical life he has created. And what, he, what Jesus is highlighting to us here, right, is, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about our substance. Um, because if God cares and loves for all of his other creations, you know, the, the lilies and the birds and all those things, as it says in verse number 30, if, if God has the ability and has continued to have the ability and will continue to have the ability until he sends his son Jesus and thus uh, uh, burns the the earth and the elements thereof, until that time, if God has the ability to continue to provide for the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, certainly because he loves us more, why do we doubt his ability to do that exact same thing for us? Today. Now, this brings up an interesting question because there are periods of drought, right? There's there's drought, there's blight, there's um, you know there's monsoons and tsunamis and all those things. We've seen trees fall over and and all of those things because of the weather. And you know, one may say, well, is does God's care for the lilies of the field? And the birds, um, this is, is Jesus meaning to say this, you know, in summary, that generally he cares for all flowers and all trees and all birds. Um, but when, when there are instances where there is a strong wind and said a specific flower or a specific bird is laid waste or starves to death because there's not enough water or food that again Jesus uh, God's care is is more general in nature and not specific in nature you, you know one may argue that point that even animals and creatures on this earth have go through situations in life where they don't have enough food or enough water to survive so maybe Jesus's statement is generally speaking to all human beings, right? That, you know, where he's talking about, you know, we shouldn't take any thought for what we shall eat or drink or how we, we, we should be clothed. Jesus is meaning that, to, that God is talking generally about humans and not about me specifically. Because guess what? If I don't work, I don't eat. If I don't work, I don't drink. If I don't earn, I won't have money to buy clothes. You know, one may say, when was the last time God had clothes, had had food or drink or clothes come down from the sky or spontaneously show up in my refrigerator? Now, this is all supporting evidence, if you will, for those who would say that God only helps those who first help themselves. There's a number of verses in the scripture that talk about that. You know, one that my mom uh, told me, and and I don't have it referenced for whatever reason. It just came to mind that a closed mouth won't get fed. You know, the scripture tells us that that one who doesn't take care of his own is, is worse than an infidel. The scripture tells us that, you know, a, a husband and a father's role is to what? care for and provide for his wife and his family. God isn't going to do that spontaneously for the individual. That, that's something that we have a responsibility to do. Again, does God help those only if they first help themselves? And I maybe add an additional word in there on the only. But let's continue to read Matthew, the sixth chapter, for a few moments here. Again, in verse number 32, 
Jesus says, For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the, uh, the book of Acts. And we'll talk about uh, um, something we talked about uh, on Wednesday night Bible class. And I just want to go back and, and reference this. The um, Acts, the fifth chapter, Ananias and Sapphira. Um, I'm not going to read uh, all of it, but for reference, it's Acts 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, what we talked about in our Wisdom I Bible class about giving and about the spiritual gift of giving is a cut above what the world considers to be, you know, making a charitable donation, you know, giving, you know, a small fraction thereof to make oneself feel better or to bring honor to oneself. The spiritual gift of giving um, is a willingness um, first to um, give up whatever uh, is necessary uh, for the benefit of another person. Not thinking of yourself, but thinking of the other. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, the fifth chapter, uh, thought about themselves more than they thought about um, others. Um, it says that uh, they, they sold a possession <clears throat> and instead of laying all of it, to, or rather, um, they kept a, a part of the proceeds of the sale back for themselves. And it says that uh, the wife was privy to it as well in verse number two. In verse number three, it says, Satan, uh, Peter said to Ananias, Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land. While it remained, while was it not thine own, and after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And the operative, um, um, you know, I guess I would say thought in verse number four of Acts, the fifth chapter, is that not only was the land in under Ananias's power, but the money sold from that land also was in, was in Ananias's power. One of the things that um, the reason why Ananias and were um, Sapphira were struck down was because they lied and said that the money that was laid at the apostles' feet, they told the apostles that that was the full amount of the proceeds of that sale. They could have just as well said, I'm giving you, um, we sold the, let's say the lot for a hundred thousand, but we're going to go ahead and keep 30,000 of it and give you 70,000. That would have been perfectly fine. But the fact of the matter is, is they lied to the Holy Spirit first and foremost um, by deceiving themselves and deceiving others um, by saying that the full amount of the sale was seventy thousand, let's say, when they know full well, when they knew full well that the sale was a hundred thousand. I use this as an example um, to highlight um, this one point. <clears throat> what is the what is our obligation as human beings on this planet? Um, you could look at uh, you know the book of Ecclesiastes, um, where you know Solomon the wise says that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep His commandments. You could look at uh, you know what's written in First John, you know as a commandment. It says in First John the fifth chapter and verse number three. Um, <clears throat> For this we know that we love the children of God when for this we know that we love the children of God when we love God 
and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. You know, in both instances, both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament, mankind, the, the purpose of Adam and Eve um, being placed on this earth was to serve and to obey. If you don't believe me, go back to the book of Genesis. Um, God told Adam to do what? To care and dress this garden that he had created, to, um, to name the beasts of the field. That was his job. And he, what did he do? Well, you know, his life was certainly in his power. He had a choice to do with his life as he so chose to. But when he chose sin, when he and Eve chose to eat of that forbidden fruit, when Ananias and Sapphira, while their life was in their hands, the proceeds of the cell was in their hands, they made the choice to lie to the Holy Spirit. They chose sin in and of themselves. It says, as just as Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead at the very moment at which their lie was affirmed before the apostles. And we know that Adam and Eve surely died as a result of their choice. Again, going back to um, what Jesus has told us, um, you know, he tells us that knock and the door will be open ask and seek or seek and ye shall find you know when the men uh in the um uh, what was it acts the second chapter um when peter was given the pentecostal sermon um, those three thousand souls asked the apostles what shall we do to be saved you know, the, this, this principle of God only helps those who, who help themselves is valid. It's valid only when pertaining to spiritual things. And here's the reason why I'll say that. Is because, <clears throat> and, and I'll, I'll give you a verse. If you have your Bibles... Um, turn to, give me one second here. Uh, Luke, the 18th chapter. I actually had it right here in front of me. For whatever reason, I was not finding it. In Luke, the 18th chapter. Luke 18, starting at verse number 9. <clears throat> it says... <clears throat> uh, Jesus spake this parable unto certain which unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And I'll I'll read I'll read that verse again. Jesus was saying this parable to certain individuals that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. I'll repeat it again for emphasis. Jesus spoke this parable to those who were the captain of their faith, or the, the master of their faith, the captain of their souls, from a spiritual standpoint. It says, these individuals trusted in, in their abilities, um, or their ability to make themselves righteous more than, more than God. And so Jesus starts this parable by saying in verse number 10, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, saying, God, I thank thee, for I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You know, this this really speaks to um, what uh, is written in uh, Romans, the third chapter, and uh, verse number 23. Uh, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I think it goes on to say in verse number 24 of Romans, the third chapter, being then justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You know, there, each and every one of us is unable to save our very souls. The statement of God, does, God doesn't help those who first help themselves has no holds no water in a spiritual context because we can't even begin to help ourselves. If if we could if we could go about the process of salvation absent God, then there would there there really wouldn't be any need for us to um, to to be to to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ to. Um, to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, to repent, to confess, to go down that water grave of baptism, if that was something that we could do. But, you know, this publican, who obviously believed in God, otherwise he wouldn't have been at the, um, at the, the judgment seat of God at the temple in the first place. This publican obviously believed in God. He believed in God so much that he didn't feel that he was worthy to even get close to the temple or to the place of prayer. It says again that he stood afar off and would not so much as lift his eyes up into heaven. But he smote his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. This was a man who sought the kingdom of God and its righteousness first. You know, the Pharisee, you know, as as he, he came close and he, you know, he prayed and he said, God, I thank you um, that I am already righteous. Because I am not as these other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this lowly publican. Again, being mindful of the fact that Jesus himself was saying this to men who in and of themselves thought that they were righteous because of the things that they were doing. They believed that They were the masters of their fate and the captains of their soul because they were out doing good things. You know, it's it's those type of people who will say when they stand before Jesus, how come you're not letting me into heaven? We've fed the poor. We've helped the needy and the sick. And Jesus will say to those individuals, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. If you don't, Believe me, go back and read it. And I'll give you the verse. Uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse number 21. Again, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And what is the will of the Father? In verse number 22, um, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have, you not, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name have done wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye work, 
ye that work iniquity. You know, Abraham was justified not because of what he was able to do, um, but because of his reliance upon God. We can we can go back and look at the book of Genesis when he was when he was asked to sacrifice his son. Did he take a plan B with him? When he laid his son Isaac down on that altar and he was about to, you know, put that knife through his chest. He did it relying solely upon God. God was the master of his fate. And it was the captain of his soul. And the scripture tell, tells us is it tells us very plainly in the book of Romans, it was imputed unto Abraham as righteousness, even though he was yet uncircumcised. When we all became members of the body of Christ, what did we have to give up in repentance? We had to give up ourselves. We had to sacrifice ourselves and the abilities that we trusted in prior to and rely upon God. You know, one of the things that is important for uh, for anyone who comes to Christ to realize is that what? You are a sinner. And you need God. Jesus tells us there is only one way to get to God the Father, and that is through him. Well, if you are the master of your fate and the captain of your soul, what you're saying is is that Jesus isn't the only way to get to God. Just as this Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, go back and read uh, again, look at Luke, the 18th chapter, verse number 11. It doesn't, Jesus doesn't say that he prayed thus with God. It says that the Pharisee stood up, stood, not humbly bowed, but stood and prayed thus with himself, not with God. Whereas the publican, stood afar off, yet had his head humbly bowed and prayed unto God. Not with himself, but unto God. If you have your Bibles, <clears throat> let's turn over to Second <clears throat> Timothy, the second chapter. It says in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in yourself. That's not what it says. It says in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor, meaning you did not earn it. It was given to you freely. I'll I'll repeat that again. Grace is unmerited favor. You did not merit it. There is nothing you could have done or, or have done in your life to earn it. God gave his grace to us. Through his son, Jesus Christ. In verse number two, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me 
among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, you shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, when we when we talk about, you know, God only helps those who first doesn't help themselves, we're 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 oftentimes making that in the reference of, you know, what's going on with us in our physical lives. You know, I'm poor, I'm homeless, I'm down and out, you know, and 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 I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just highlighting the point that we use this more often than not um, when talking to people who are down and out and yet they don't have any desire to get themselves out of the rut or the hole that they find themselves. You know, so we say, listen, you know what? You know, my my help um, either won't begin or can't continue because you are not exerting effort in and of yourself to improve your situation. Now, I want to flip that. <clears throat> you know, there and there are a number of verses that 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 speak to that 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 there is not an expectation um, that we none of us should expect manna to fall from the sky as God did with His Hebrews in the land in the wilderness of sin. Um, as it says, uh, Sinai Peninsula in present day. Um, he, he's not going to do that. And there are a number of verses that highlight that, again, we have to, it's a part of our curse. <laughs> There's a reason why we have to work in order to provide for our families, because it is a part of the curse men in particular have that's been carried down throughout the generations, None of us are in the Garden of Eden anymore. Um, it is through the choice of sin that Adam was told that he would have to work with the sweat of his brow. And God, in a number of verses, supports this by saying, "You know, if you don't work, you won't eat. But Jesus, again, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, tells us that we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat or where we're going to stay or where we're going to find water. If we would yet choose to, ob uh, to abide by the will of God. And the will of God is that we seek his kingdom first and God will make sure that all the things that we need physically will be given unto us. I say that to say this, that oftentimes we think that if somebody is not activated to help themselves, that we don't, that we'll discontinue, you know, a monetary support, let's say. When really, they don't need us to help them. They need God to help them. And the only way God is going to improve their status, because God is the master of their faith, the captain of their soul. I can't help anybody. God is the only one who can help them. Now, that is not to say that we shouldn't give of our, of our means for the, for the help of others. That's also a part of the will of God. That is a commandment of God. But what I'm saying is, is we can't expect you know, a few dollars here or there to help anybody in the long term. It's kind of like the old adage, right? If you know you can uh, you can provide fish for the one who needs substance, but if you teach that man to fish, he'll never starve. Well, the truth of the matter is, is if we can get someone who is down and out to seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness first, God will take care of the rest. Because he's done that for each and every one of us. And Paul is telling Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In verse number four, no man that warreth or is going about the spiritual warfare that we should all be concerning ourselves with. Again, in verse number four, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him 
to be a soldier. You know, really, we should be more concerned about seeking God and his kingdom and his righteousness more than we should be concerned about anything on this side of life. And this is a hard saying for Brother Garner, um, because you all you all know that, you know, I struggle in, in a number of categories in this as well, you know, is is at times I find myself um, praying with myself, you know, in times where it's good that, you know, thank God I, I, I'm not like my cousins. You know, those my hard headed cousins who, you know, made choices, bad choices in life or, you know, doing X, Y and Z. I, you know, at times I've fallen in the trap of praying with myself like the Pharisee. I've also found myself praying like the publican. Where I can't get any closer to the ground when I pray to God, asking him for forgiveness for sins that I have committed. And I'm sure uh, a number of you have, 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 have been in a similar situation, both on one end or the other. But it does not matter if I have the ability, if I have funds in my bank account, if I have a roof over my head, if I'm not seeking God and his kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus very plainly, Matthew the 6th chapter and verse number 33 says, If I do that first, all the things that I need in my life and all the things that my wife and my children need, will be added unto me. All those things will be given unto me because he loves me just as much as he loves every blade of grass that exists in a particular field. It goes on to say in verse number 9, again Paul telling Timothy, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, colon, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, We shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You can't do anything without God. We all know that it is through Christ that we find our strength to do anything. If there's someone in your life that, you know, is in the pit of despair, they're homeless, they're down and out, they're struggling with drug and alcohol abuse. You know, on the short term, yeah, I'm sure there's certainly something you can do for them. You can... You know, provide them shelter. You can provide them clothes. You can even put them into a uh, rehabilitation program. And that will work on the short term. You will feel as if you've done something. They will maybe even feel as if they've done something. But the true strength, the true salvation, you know, the, the scripture tells us that our faith is what overcomes this world. The only way that they can overcome the struggles that they're facing in this world is if they put all of their faith and their belief, if they turn everything over to God, and instead of thinking about their status, thinking about serving Him, then all of those issues of life will take care of themselves. Life may not get better, but they will certainly be filled with the grace of God and the joy and the peace and the comfort that passeth all understanding. So if you're here this morning 
and you need help, or if you are here this morning and you know of others who need help, I would say out of your love, you know, the scripture tells us in 1 John that the will of God is that we show love for our brother and our sisters. You know, that love doesn't come with conditions, does it? You will never find in the scripture where the exercising of your love for your brother is predicated on whether or not they make the choice to do right or wrong. As a matter of fact, even when we disfellowship from our brother or sister, what does it say? Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we should entreat them as a brother. 1 John tells us that the one who closes up the bowels of love for their brother, the same is a murderer. Now, if you murder your brother because they don't have the wherewithal to help themselves, is that justifiable homicide? I mean, will God look at that as a justifiable homicide? I'll let you answer that. But what the scripture tells us is that we need to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Scripture tells us that we should love God with all of our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our spirits. And the second commandment is unto this, that we should love others even as we love ourselves. Now I'll tell you this. When you were doing wrong or doing bad, did you starve yourself to death? Did you withhold clothing or nourishment from yourself? While you were a sinner out there doing all matter of sinful things, you still fed yourself, you still gave yourself water, you still put clothes on your back. Well, if the commandment of God is that we should love others as we love them as as we love ourselves, then why wouldn't you do it for somebody else? And I speak this to me. I'm not speaking it to anybody else on this call. This is an indictment on Thomas Garner and not anyone else. Because the reason why is I have to truly grasp the mindset that I can't do anything, I can't help myself, I have to rely solely on God. So again, if you're here this morning, I'm going to finish up. I've been going for about 53 minutes, well longer than I had intended. Um, I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me. Uh, But if you're here this morning and you need prayers um, for anyone, for yourself, um, if you have questions about this lesson, maybe there's uh, a difference of understanding, I would certainly encourage an opportunity to sit down with you and And you and I uh, can delve into the scripture together and and find out what thus saith the Lord. Again, we're going to sing a song of invitation. I don't know what, what was the song again? I think it was uh, 636. And uh, afterwards the floor will be opened up to anyone who needs to request a prayer.